most interesting radio show on planet Earth. The Weekend Variety Wireless. On Radio Live. Baby, the Buzzcocks from 1978. Their debut album is 40 years old. If you're listening in the future, you can tell when we recorded this, 2018. Grant Smithies and myself to rummage through this beautiful thing. How are you? <laughs> great. Really great. Even better for listening to this because it rips. They're my favourite punk band of the era. They tower above virtually all their contemporaries of the, of the English punk scene anyway. Yeah, but how do you get past that grey area of, like, Wire, one of my favourite bands of all time? Yes. And There's a few other talented critters knocking around, but these guys definitely added depth and emotional ambiguity and other things into the whole punk equation, and they were doing it before anyone else much was. No, they you know. weren't. Why yeah. were doing it? They were onto their second album by this stage. Yeah, that's true. And they'd already ditched a lot of the sort of traditional punk blueprints, hadn't they? And surprisingly to me, on recalling the chronology of affairs, the original lead singer for the Buzzcocks, Howard DeVoto, he'd left and had made his debut album and had moved on so, so far away, way over there from the sound that his band, The Buzzcocks, made. And here's The Buzzcocks' debut recording in the same year as Magazine's recording, Magazine being Howard DeVoto's band, and how different they are. It's astonishing they came out in the same year. It's like that comment that was it David Longy talking about the brain drain to Australia, how it how it raised the um, IQ. collective IQ of both nations. Yes. To me, Howard Devoto leaving improved both bands. Like Buzzcocks is better minus Devoto. Yeah. I think, and um, and magazine shot off in this other interesting direction that was wildly productive. Yeah. They you know, ended up with two ripping bands doing their own thing under the auspices of their chief songwriter. Yeah, they both ripped. I wouldn't say that Buzzcocks was more regressive or anything than Magazine, though. Magazine did more things that were further away in terms of not so hard and fast as a lot of Buzzcocks songs, but Buzzcocks always struck me primarily as a pop band. Yeah. I was reading some review of this record somewhere, uh, because the record we're talking about is Another Music in a Different Kitchen, which was their debut studio album from 1978. People hold that they were primarily an ass-kicking singles band, but this strikes me as their best album. They made three, I think, and a bunch of singles. Mm. This is the one I like the most of the ones they did make. The speed and uh, hectic riffs linking it in with some other things that were going on around the same time. But lyrically, it's miles ahead. It's far more sexually ambiguous because um, Pete Shelley was bisexual. It bothers to be sad rather than just angry a lot of the time, mm. unlike various contemporaries. It's funny as hell, and it also has riffs in it. As this review I was reading, the dude said, the kind of risk that could only be written by someone that was obsessed with T-Rex and the Stooges. Got it. Which, which he was, you know? Yeah. Clever as a clever thing. Always pretty much just keeping it simple, which takes it away from the Howard DeVoto strain of affairs at the same time. It's sonically consistent. The Howard DeVoto affair with magazine is more varied and you could say more interesting, but you listen to the words, so that's what you're here for. Good for you, thank you. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs>
I do. Somebody was saying in one of the a gazillion, you know, retrospectively glowing reviews that have been written about this record. Multiple comparisons were made by people like the Smiths who love Buzzcocks, and we'll talk a bit about that connection later on. Yeah. This reviewer was saying how his singing voice was far removed from Morrissey's virginal moaning and has instead manifested itself as an annoying and annoyed nasal whine. He was an effeminate fusspot from Bolton, and you could hear that in every line. An effeminate fusspot from Bolton. And he wrote songs from the perspective of an a, a relatively ugly guy who didn't get laid a lot, <laughs> said this dude. I related to it when I heard these things growing up because, mm. you know, there were loads of songs about hooning around in clapped-out cars, adolescence, sexual frustration, small-town tedium, missing the last bus, etc., all of which made immediate and perfect sense growing up in um, suburban Whanganui, <laughs> as I did. Great. I love the music. Let's rip into it. Fast Cars. And it's got almost a trademark, isn't it? The non-guitar lead. Oh, yeah. They quite deliberately, for their own amusement, remade their boredom single. And it had this deliberately hilarious two-note guitar solo that took the piss out of frog rock that they deeply disdained. I've talked to both Steve Diggle and Pete Shelley down the years, and they've both talked about how they fell about laughing when they hit upon this sort of guitar solo, which is just two notes repeated at length. Okay, Fast Cars, and it's a true story, apparently. Steve Diggle did have a car crash, and people think these rock stars are hooning around, uh, breaking the law, going over the speed limit in built-up urban areas. No, 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 no. Steve Diggle didn't like that. No, no, there's a lot of, I hate fast cars. Fast cars are dangerous. Yes. <laughs> it's a nicely anti-macho stance, oh, given brilliant. the times. Yeah, bless. Yeah. Yeah, totally with him, too. Fabulous intro, too, isn't it? Yeah, love it.
what is it? Is it the last line in there? Sooner or later, you'll listen to Ralph Nader? Yeah. Sooner or later, you're going to listen to Ralph Nader. Yeah. I don't want to cause a fuss, but R- fast cars are so dangerous. I <laughs> uh, love it. Yeah, Ralph Nader being the proponent for safer cars in the United States. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. nice. Okay. And it rips straight into another killer. Yeah. I mean, I love no reply as well, complete with this primitive poker microphone at the phone at the beginning and tape the dial tone and then tape the click of the phone hanging up at the end mm. of the song called No Reply. Basically, he's calling this girl or boy, whoever, at all hours of the day and night and getting no response. That familiar sort of feeling when you're uh, invisible to the object of your affections. Have you seen the Buzzcocks live? No. Whenever they toured down to New Zealand, I've pounced on trying to interview one or the other of them, and that's always been refreshing and fascinating. But I've missed the live shows. I've talked to Steve Diggle a couple of times and Pete Shelley once, and they both express the pleasure they get in obliterating support acts. They just go out and still play very fast and intense sort of shows, and they're Mm. getting into their 60s and 70s. Yeah. (laughs) It's still great. Have you seen them play? Oh, yes. Yeah, me and Max Cryer were in the mosh pit together. It was tremendous. (laughs) Oh, up the front. Yeah. You know, there's a bit of mosh going on. And there were these people like, oh, don't stand so close to me. You bumped into me. Oh, you awful man. Yeah. Fuck off. (laughs) This is the buzzcocks. You're up the front. What do you want to be in, a pram? Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Get out. Pete Shelley said something like, they expect us to be a couple of granddads smelling of wheeze. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we'll yeah. take a short break and come back with a moment in rock music, which is one of those Were You There's. Tune in to the Weekend Variety Wireless. 
the Buzzcocks debut album. What a thing! Another music in a different kitchen. They were intimately, inter, uh, intricately involved. Intricate, they were um, very involved. They were there at this moment in rock, weren't they? They supported the Sex Pistols in Manchester. They did. It wasn't even that they supported them. They invited them up there from London to play at the Free Trade Hall in Manchester twice during the summer of 1976. And in the audience were future members of Joy Division, New Order, you know, The Smiths, The Fall, Factory Records founder Tony Wilson was there. And every man, woman and child in Manchester and elsewhere since has also claimed <laughs> to have been there. The place would have had to be the size of the, the Royal Albert Hall or something. Wembley. To, yeah, to, <laughs> to fit them all in. I asked Pete Shelley about that very show, and he said, yeah, we were on the ground floor, you could say. We didn't copy anyone. There was no punk bandwagon to even jump on when we started. It was more of a punk bicycle, and we just pointed it downhill and off we went. Lovely. Good, isn't it? Yeah. That gig in Manchester with the Sex Pistols was kind of formative. It has its parallel in New Zealand, about at the same time when the enemy played around the country, the bands and the people that saw them there. The Clean, The Chills, The Verlaines, Sneaky Feelings, Shane Carter and everything that he's done. Was that yep. one of those moments? And yeah. Get On Our Own on this album, it's Toy Love. Yeah, right. It sounds yeah, yeah. so much like Toy Love. Yeah, you're right. Again, there's an extended guitar solo which quotes from those that two-note ripper from back in the day. Yeah, kind of a lower lead break that reminds me of the Scavengers. So there you yeah, go. Right. Anyway, this is all coincidental. The distance was too great for Osmosis to have taken part. Yeah. thereof. Okay, let's rip into another. Love Battery. Now, Howard DeBoto's still involved. A lot of these songs has a writing credit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, when we looked at the magazine record a few weeks back, there are some things where they peeled off and wrote two completely different songs based around the same riffs too, mm. and others where just the lyrics got changed. But this has got bits of DeVoto through it. It sounds like somebody started off just by making a list. My Love Battery fizzes at the terminals. My Love Battery wants to charge you could maybe enlarge you, you know, an extended sexual metaphor sort of a list and strap the song around it. It's great that you listen to these words. I often frequently feel, like Grant, that the people writing them uh, pay less attention than you do. <laughs> it could be true. It's certainly a hefty part of a song. And it's what makes these dudes stand apart, plus their killer ear from melody. I'm alive. 
Okay, we're looking at the Buzzcocks' first album. A bunch of short, lovely, poppy songs. In many ways, they could have written some of these for the Supremes, you know. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, shall we hear a little bit of 16? Yeah, I reckon, again, this is a song about the sort of the protagonist's um, sexual inexperience. Actually, it takes an even more interesting angle than that. It's more wishing they were sexually inexperienced again so that all the stuff that they're doing now would feel fresh again mm. rather than stale, which is just an interesting concept all round, I think. There's a bit in the middle of this, actually, that makes me think a lot of Wire, who we were talking about earlier, where it hoons around into more discordant, noisy territory. It's also got another one of my favourite bits of lyric writing from Pete Shelley, and here he goes, I hate modern music, disco, boogie, pop. They go on and on and on and on, how I wish they would stop. Oh, and then it stops. It's oh, a great line. Oh, disco, lovely. boogie, and pop. It's almost as good as the best anti-disco line. It was written by a New Zealand band, The Terraways. What was that? As a disco fan, I'm shocked. Yeah, hell yeah, it was war, baby. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it felt like it at the time. Okay. I suspect Pete Shelley secretly was a disco fan myself, but there you go. Oh, yeah, someone would have taken him by the hand yep. and taken him out. Clubbing uh, around the town. Even though he didn't have a stitch to wear. Yeah, later <laughs> in life they would have for <laughs> sure. Okay, uh, all right. Yeah, in, in 16, I really like how they get a nice deep guitar lead. It's the anti-Boston. It's it's not over the top and doubled. It's singular and underneath the song. It's lovely. Yep. Yeah, there's great guitar playing all the way through it, actually. Yeah. I mean, people bang on about Pete Shelley's lyricism, but Steve Diggle also, monster of a guitar player. Oh, monster of a band. Yep.
curiosity not only killed the cat, it spawned a whole radio show. Graham Hill's Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. Another music in a different kitchen, The Buzzcocks. The debut album too, there are some timeless pop songs on here, aren't there? I think it's crammed with them, actually. Yeah. The next one is one of the grunters, I reckon, called I Don't Mind. It sounds like a song that's got mod undercurrents to me. It's always one of the things I loved on here. First-rate pop. It could be sung by the Supremes, couldn't it? It's true. You could have Diana Ross out the front. Yeah. Oh, and this is probably the juncture where I can play my party trick. I've always maintained that that formative moment when the Buzzcocks played in Manchester and in the audience was Johnny Marr and Morrissey, that the Smiths are kind of like the Buzzcocks just slowed down. It's probably true. On tranquilizers. Yeah, I can prove it. Uh, Should we do it after I don't mind? Yes, let's do it. I don't mind we'll play it in its entirety first because there's no point messing with a classic. We'll mess with it afterwards, yeah. and I will prove to you that the Smiths just listened to the Buzzcocks, slowed them down, and had a career. All right. Gorgeous pop song. Yeah. Beautiful thing. Okay, here's the trick. I slowed it down. The Smiths, uh, <laughs> the Buzzcocks on 33. Here's my yeah. proof.
slam dunk, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, especially the second part where it's already slowed down. You know, the, some of the sounds in the background fell away. That definitely got the Morrissey moan to it. A lot of the <laughs> themes too. I want yeah. a lover like Kenny. Oh, the what do I get? That'd be a crazy. Yeah, all you need to do down. is fling a few gladioli around. Yeah. Fiction romance, uh, hats off to this drummer. We mentioned this is a cracking band. Let's name them because, man, this drumming is great. Um, Johnny Ma on drums, Steve Garvey, bass guitar, Steve Diggle, of course, guitar and backing vocals, Pete Shelley out the front. But, yes, yeah, perfect, great. perfect four-piece. Yeah, and the drummer is mighty. So is the bass player, right? They hang off really melodic bass lines on several of these things too. It, it really but, pays to have a really good one of each. Yeah. And the drummer, I love the drumming in this particular fiction romance tune because there's an odd rhythm with a sort of cheap crash cymbal smash at the end of the melodic riffs, which is just makes it funny and fantastic at the same time. And lyrically, it's the difference between the way romance is sold in teen mags and how you really experience it yourself. Or in the case of Pete Shelley, a lonely, funny-looking critter, by his own admission, don't experience it because you're not getting the chance.
nice square drumming. And I think it shows Shelley a really good charismatic frontman, not missing Devoto one jot. No. I like his voice better too, actually. Yeah. Devoto's sneer is just too much for me after a while, after about three songs, yeah. even though I like the song. And also touches, I think they they do like Mick Ronson. Yeah. The, the next song, Autonomy. Is my favourite. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? It's got a kind of gallop to the guitar riff that sort of recalls early British metal bands as much as anything. The riffs at the start could be um, Thin Lizzy. It's as much sort of hard rock influenced as punk, isn't it? But it's got, um, I reckon, a real grown-up stance. The equivalent of a Soviet poster for personal politics. <laughs>
And how many tunes these days do you hear sped up or slowed down? Not many. If any. Not even scribe tunes. <laughs> That's right. No. Yeah, great. I great love thing. that thing. There's not, a, there's not a lame tune on this. No. I have to say. Well, I don't know. Oh, yeah. What are you thinking gets the cold shoulder if you were? I actually didn't think no reply was up to much. Um, really? Oh, you tear me up, it's okay, but a bit, bit of a punk 101 piece. Yep. But look, I'm complaining about bugger all in a room full of delicious stuff. Yes. And not for the first time. <laughs> no. That's true. All right, we'll come back and finish off another music in a different kitchen, a little bit more information about the band and this album with uh, music journalist Grant Smithies. Life, the universe, and everything in between. Graham Hill's Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. Another music in a different kitchen. I love the cover. It looks like the letterhead to an architecture firm. It does, eh? This sort of silvery grey sleeve, and it's it's orange, isn't it, the lettering across the top of it? Oh, it's very thin. It's very... Lovely looking it's thing. Advertising Italian glasses or something. <laughs> yes. The original cover was going to be a salad bowl full of eyes. Jesus, really? Yeah. I, I'm glad they flagged that idea. It was actually Diggle that says, I don't like that. And that is how he talks. I talked to him in, God, 2006. He sounded like a Manchester plumber entirely, but he was just relentlessly funny. He talked about still being a heavy drinker and still being a really enthusiastic drug taker. And that they both gave lots of pleasure to his life. He was, God, 60-something. He talked about being on the last ever tour with Nirvana. They toured with him in 1994. He was with Kurt two days before he killed himself. And he asked him how, you know, about how he'd survived the pressure for so long, not lying he was going to blow his head off two days later. And then he said, I still owe him a couple of grams of cocaine, actually. Huh. The, the last time I saw him, I got on the tour bus with him after the show. He gave me this coke, and then he disappeared upstairs on the bus. He didn't come back down for ages, so I had the lot, by myself, line by line. When he finally came back down, it was all gone. But by then, of course, he was too depressed to care. And Kurt Cobain killed himself. Not that I want to laugh about Kurt Cobain killing himself, because that's not funny at all, but I thought the story just gave you a, a blast of what sort of character he was. Far out. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Here's a tune. I need a uh, million miles an hour, but uh, a little more complex than it sounds, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and a bit of a bass solo near the end. I love the good old, you know, thing where everything drops away apart from the bass. It's uh, maybe a little salute to something along the lines of bubblegum pop, too. There's nothing wrong with it. No, again, it, it sounds like it started off as a lift. I need drugs, I need cash, I need drink, I need food. But really, they're just the sort of warm-up for I need you to love me back to someone who doesn't.
I need from another music in a different kitchen, the debut from the Buzzcocks. And they kept this up too, which is a great thing, isn't it? They made three albums and a bunch of singles during their first incarnation, didn't they? And then they split up for a good few years and then they got back together. And it was one of those the few sort of reunions in that punk world that wasn't embarrassing and cringy. Like yeah. They continued to write good songs and do decent tours and so on, you know. When they came out here in about 2012, which is when I talked to Pete Shelley, he lives in Estonia these days. Mm. I said, what the hell are you doing there? And he said, oh, my wife's from here. And that was even more startling. I was going, wife? Didn't a whole lot of punks get their bloody bondage trousers in a twist in the early days when they worked out that half these love songs were directed towards blokes? And he went, oh, no, 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 I've always been bisexual. It was just very funny. And he said he sort of, you know, they just get together every now and then and charge around the world. She says, we've been together 40 years and you only get 30 for murder. <laughs> like it had been quite eventful down the years <laughs> that they both had quite different personalities but got on, got on really well. I wish they'd all walked into the Rovers' return during an episode. That would be good, wouldn't it? But who did you get instead? Status quo. Oh, that's right. Because Les Battersby was a big fan. I think he drove past and saw the status quo standing right outside their van and then drove into it was the little plot device that got status quo into the thing. Mm. Les Battersby having to pay for their van or something. Well, look, the, uh, Pete Shelley, the bisexual position is probably uh, more ideal than any other to, in order to write teenage love or sex songs. Yes, from multiple perspectives, definitely. That's what Diggle said. He said, we've always just written about the human condition, really. Pete writes songs about the difficulties of relationships, which is easy for him, being a bloody bisexual and all. Yeah. <laughs> and I write songs about consumerism and other social issues. Perfect. Yeah. There's something else. I, I've got to piss off somebody today. Yeah. It's, the Buzzcocks are one of the reasons why I don't really like the jam. Because they're better. Much better. They start off being 25% better because they saw the sense in having two guitars. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to piss people off as regards the jam on Facebook or anywhere, you only have to put up a comment going, yeah, the jam were okay, but I really like the style council. It just brings jam fans to the edge of bursting their boiler. Now, we'll go out with Bo Diddley because this is just dead centre Bo Diddley and a great piece of drumming at the top. The pure Bo Diddley rhythm, put it that way. It is too. I wrote the same thing when I was writing some notes about it. Tumbling drums and sort of punked up retread of the famous Bo Diddley beat really, eh? And, and it just does strange, very thin, metallic electric guitar playing one string up high over the top. And I was doing some background reading on it and it turns out that Pete Shelley the other band he was obsessed with was Can, and in particular Michael Caroli. He used to do those spindly, weird, wee, high guitar lines on Can records. So maybe it's some sort of hat tip to him. Well, more than just the sonic pitch of the affair, I think they're beautiful melodic twists, perfectly formed. Yeah, and this one has got a sort of false ending, eh? It sort of stops and then they sort of bookend in the boredom guitar solo again for their last laugh before it heads off with weird wee synths and yeah. very strange thing to have emerged from the punk era. It's the one thing that puts them closer, I suppose, to what magazines were doing, eh? Or wire. Yeah, yeah. It's them thinking about other things and it being more spacious rather than fast and yeah. hectic. Yeah. yeah. Well, on this, you get to autonomy, which is three minutes, 45 long, and you think, geez, that's epic. But moving away from the pulse beat, it's even longer. So, goodness me, they're practically prog rock.
<laughs> shocking. And shockingly great. Love it. Bless the Buzzcocks. Yeah, yeah I reckon. downloaded the podcast um, and don't forget the Weekend Variety Wireless webpage, tons of information there, uh, complimentary to the program and all the audio to fill your boots, the archives of albums turning 40 as well as now the complete um, Outsiders archive has been reconstituted, Outsider, a fresh Outsider tale tomorrow night about a daring operation in Nazi-occupied Greece by a couple of New Zealanders that had a real effect on the war. Uh, kicking off again tomorrow night, Weekend Variety Wireless. After 8 o'clock, you'll get the full schedule on the webpage 0800-844-747 for overnight talk here on Radio Live. Have a great rest of your evening. I always, I never like calling the early hours of the morning the morning. It's still the evening, really, isn't it? Anyway, have a good whatever. And tune in again tomorrow. Cheers.